Hello and welcome to the Event Hubs podcast. Before we get into it this week, we'd like to share that we're giving away $300 via either an Amazon or Steam gift card to our listeners. To enter, subscribe to this podcast on any podcasting service, follow Catalyst and I on Twitter, tweet at one of us with a screenshot showing that you've subbed as well as a quick note about what you enjoy most about our show, and then finally add the hashtag Event Hubs podcast. Please note that this is open to both new and already existing subscribers. The contest will run from June 12th to July 3rd, after which we'll announce a winner. This giveaway is restricted to participants in the United States only. How will the rest of Street Fighter V's life play out, and what might it look like for Capcom to gracefully transition into Street Fighter VI? Well, we talk about that. Plus, I'm finding myself feeling kind of bad for Yoshinori Ono these days, and we talk about that too. Also, Mortal Kombat 11 is on pace to outsell MKX, which is no small feat. SNK pulls off an impressive comeback with a speedy fix for Samurai Showdown's input lag. We only kind of agree with Dogura's Street Fighter V tier list, and we agree even less with Momochi's views on fighting game development, all on this episode of the Event Hubs podcast. Perfect. All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. Hey, what's your favorite Katy Perry song? Uh, Dark Horse. Yeah, that's the right answer. I was on my way home from breakfast, and uh, Dark Horse came on, and uh, it's been in my head ever since. It's so haunting and melodic. So this entire podcast, just know that Dark Horse is playing in my mind over and over again. Yeah, that's way better than me, where I had the... uh... I love Chinese food st- song stuck oh in my, my head. <laughs> don't, don't bring that up. Okay. It's a sin to bring that up. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you know what? Let's let's get into something much better than that. Yeah. And that is the future of Street Fighter V. And mm. yeah, it's this is a, a very loaded subject here. And I just want to say that the future of Street Fighter V might actually be Street Fighter Six, right? And we've already been into that in terms of, you know, we think it's going to be coming with the next generation consoles sometime around there. We've kind of established like February and all that. So since we've already been into that, I kind of wanted to talk about how I want Street Fighter V to end. What what do we want to see with this game? And actually, you know, I'll, I'll kick us off here with a little bit of history because I, I always love looking at the past because I, I think it tells us quite a bit about the future. Um, so often these game companies repeat themselves and they do a lot of the similar things over and over again. So so anyway, getting right into it, at EVO 2013, Capcom announced uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4. They didn't actually announce uh, DiCaprio at that time, but they had Elena, Hugo, uh, Poison, and Rolento, and they all said, hey, they're coming to, to Street Fighter 4. Um, and then Ultra Street Fighter 4 was released about a year after that announcement in, in June 2014. So, you know, about a year of, of buildup, we had Arcade Edition at that time. We had Yan, Yang, uh, Evil Ryu, and Oni, and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so Capcom wasn't done, actually, at that point. Um, you know, we, we know that uh, uh, Street Fighter V um, was announced a, a, about a year before it hit at Capcom Cup in that December. So, you know, we're, we're kind of building up to that point. But um, before then, at December uh, 2014, we actually got a brand new set of balance changes for uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4. Capcom was not done. You know, they were still going. And not only did we get that, we got Omega Edition in the game as well, which was about as big of a blip on the radar as can be, right? Like, I mean, it was um, in terms of like... it. it 
it flashed up and people thought it was going to be a thing and then it disappeared almost as quickly as it hit. Uh, and then, we, of course, we later on found out that a lot of the move bases and other things that, that Capcom had based Street Fighter V on came from Omega Edition. Uh, we even do a series of articles every time uh, there's a new character announced and we say, well, here's what happened in Omega Edition. You're probably going to see at least a couple of these things that, that are going to go on in Street Fighter V, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, and so anyway, so Capcom, you know, everything kicked off in 2013. Um, and then even until 2015, that's when we got the um, uh, in, in May of that year we got the PS4 version of uh, Ultra Street Fighter 4 and you know that definitely came out with some input delay issues and some other stuff it was not well regarded but a, a number of people switched over to playing it because it's like hey we got a next generation console it looks even better blah 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 uh, and then you know February 2016 is, is when we got Street Fighter 5 so yeah. yes mm-hmm. yes so that okay so that was a lot that was a lot of history and I'm trying to break this down and get an idea of all the important things that are going on during that time. The, the, the first takeaway that I get from what you're saying there is that, that Capcom was still very much supporting Street Fighter 4. Yes. Supporting, like, they, they, they cranked out the new characters for Ultra, they added some new mechanics, and that was, like, the big update. And they could have left it there, but they didn't. Um, they kept adding more to it and, and tweaking things here and there. So it was still a living, breathing thing. And if you remember when Street Fighter V came out, people were playing the crap out of four, and there was a, this whole discussion about, well, people really still wanted four at Evo. They still wanted four tournaments. Um, and, and so there was still a very, very active four community. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so the significant takeaway, I, I look at that, though, and I look at, okay, so what if this process more or less repeated in the transition between Street Fighter V and Street Fighter VI? Would people still want to be playing five as much? Because I think that was a huge part of what got of what got Capcom to continue to support the way they were supporting. Mm-hmm. It might not be everything. It certainly wasn't everything, but I bet that was significant. Right, and uh, this entire time too. Um the Capcom Cup was still going on, right? You know, we had the 2013, 2014 Capcom Cups. Um, they kept the whole game going, you know, and obviously 2016, that kept, kicked off the Street Fighter V season. And it's something we've kind of talked about them possibly ramping down on the Pro Tour. And I think it's a realistic possibility. Like, if you don't have a flagship game, you might not want to do as much investment as you have previously. But you also have something we're seeing quite a bit now where they're, you know, they have a new Phoenix Wright game coming out. Uh, they have Devil May Cry and uh, Resident Evil have been out for a while. Um, and they're promoting that on the stream very actively. And, yeah. you know, from a business standpoint, what you can do is you can say, hey, you know, marketing department, you're going to buy, you know, this many TV spots. Well, we've got 200,000, you know, people watching us at any given time. Why not give us some of that marketing budget? And we're just going to run our stuff there instead and, you know, and dump your marketing budget into, you know, the Pro Tour. So we've got, you know, maybe a half million dollars or whatever invested in the pro tour again you know like basically it's it's redistributing how you're paying out this money and i don't know you know how keen marketing department is for that but at the same time i don't think it's such a bad thing like it's you have two hundred thousand fans that are very interested in capcom games watching this stuff at any given time you know like during capcom cup i should say or you know evo or whatever um you have a lot of people tuning in like you're really hitting them hard you know, you're hitting them hard versus like TV where you might have someone watching the NBA who doesn't really care about Capcom games or whatever. Yeah. This is people who very much care about your product. And it's like, okay, well, you can feed a lot with this. So there is a reason to dial back the Capcom Pro Tour, but there's also justification um, to dial it up even further. And that is also based on what we've seen with the um, investor relations reports that we keep talking about where they're like, let's make esports even bigger. 
Well, okay. So one second though, when you say dial back the pro tour, what does that kind of look like? I, I would if say they were to do that. Yeah. I would say like if, if it does happen and it could, you know, I would say probably less ranking events and maybe a few less premier events. Um, you know, just like they're not going to sink the resources into that they have previously into making it as big of a deal. And maybe instead of playing for half a million dollars, they're playing for a quarter of a million dollars. Right. That would be kind of like off the top of my head, things I could see them doing. They're like, yeah, we just don't have a flagship game right now to, you know, support this this year to this degree um we do have you know uh, we're still going to be doing street fighter 5 until street fighter 6 is here or alpha 4 or whatever right um but mm-hmm. we're just not going to be doing it to the same degree that we did before i see that I, I think that's a possible move to make and it does make financial sense if, if given this scenario sort of plays out in the way that you're articulating it uh, but you would have to be very very cautious and very focused in how you communicated that to the to the public because when people see five hundred thousand dollars down to 250 uh, i mean we look at the tech and world tour and how payouts were less than the than you know last year they were less than the year before that and that was a huge deal now if you handle it well and you say this is why it's happening it's because you know we're making this transition and it only makes sense so you know bear with us then people would still be a little upset because you know you're never going to make everybody happy but i think that they could do it that way but if they do the old, I mean, well, like the new Capcom trick where they just kind of do stuff and then here it is whenever it comes out and that's that's something that just emerges without any kind of padding or buffering in talking to the fans. Ugh, I, I hope they don't do it that way. And, and I actually don't really have any fear of that personally because Michael Martin and the Capcom USA, and they have a brand new division that's in LA right now. They're usually very good about communicating the esports side of stuff. Um, it's, you know, anything could always be better, right? But I mean, overall, it's rare that we're left in the dark in terms of the esports side of things being explained. And, you know, we, we've got ready access to the Capcom USA crew where we can reach out to them and, you know, have stuff communicated all the time up and down about it. So, of that all things, make sense, yeah, yeah, I'm not too too worried about that one but um, i will mention that that when street fighter 4 like even when street fighter 5 was announced street fighter 4 still did really well until the mm-hmm. game actually came out um and i think this could be a similar situation here you know because we're looking at the game and how it's going to perform in tournament and all that it's like well people don't have the new game to move on to yet like and this is a game that can hold up very well for people given what it is you know i'm not saying it's going to you know do any better than it is now it's 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 heyday is is in the rearview mirror right but um is, let's say that we have two more years of support for Street Fighter V. I think that that's enough to support the uh, support the Pro Tour um, and, and keep it going at decent momentum, where it just doesn't completely, you know, the bottom doesn't drop out. And again, I look at Street Fighter Four with that, and like that game still did very well for us. Uh, I, I just remember, you know, Valle beating Bonchan with Hugo of all things, right? And, and yeah. I mean, it's there was still plenty of hype moments, and there's plenty of people who wish we never went away from Street Fighter Four to begin with <laughs> and stayed with that game, but but here we are. Um, well, okay, so I'm thinking about this transition and my brain and my heart keep going back to the same place. And I think it's appropriate to compare transitions from, from generation to generation. I mean, you, of course, you look at the past and such. But the way people played 4, and, and I can say from my own experience, the way I played 4 versus the way people talk about seem to play and the way I play 5, with that information, I don't think that they're... Like, I don't think that it means that once Street Fighter Six is announced, people walk away from Five completely. Mm-hmm. But I do not think that there is the same amount of 
general allure to five that there was for four. I don't think that people play five for fun as much as they played four for fun. I think they play a five a lot more for tournament and for the esports side of things. Um, and they, and, they, and maybe they enjoy watching five more because there's more availability in, in that respect. But I am, I'm wondering, I, I don't think we'll see a repeat of the way people responded to the next game versus how they're treating the current game when like another Street Fighter is announced. I don't know that five will stay um, as hype for as long as four did. I think that the thing that put four away was when Evo decided to, to not have it on the, the lineup. I think that was the moment where people went, well, I mean, sure, I'd play it, but I, I, it's not really there. So we'll go along with the crowd of, of who is actually playing it, what's av- actually available in front of us. But I, I don't think that people will play five once um, they won't play it as much as they did four. And so so to compare there, I don't think you're going to see the same story play out um, with the transitions. Yeah. And I mean, you know, sales back that up, right? It, it's um, Street Fighter five has just now gotten up above three million in sales. Uh, lifetime sales of Street Fighter four were around nine million copies. And that right there tells you that the, the longevity is just not going to be there. Um, it's just not going to, you know, and I, I'd love it if it is. But yeah, it's uh, I think you're dead on accurate with that. And, and so like if they it does seem that you do need to keep you can't you can't skip a pro tour i don't think that that's an option that's on the table and i don't want to see that happen but i do think that you're going to have at least the next year so finish out this next half a season and then the next year of street fighter 5 when 6 is announced it's it's going to be interesting i don't know exactly what's going to happen but it's going to be interesting and i hope yeah. the best for it yeah. but i think we'll, we'll see. see um so w- what i'm hoping for actually is um maybe this year we get the Street Fighter 6 announcement and no gameplay no anything else like just like hey uh, we realize you guys have been wanting to know what we're doing here and here is Street Fighter 6 uh, here's the logo for it um, and it's coming right and, and mm-hmm. please when I say Street Fighter 6 realize I, I'm saying like Alpha 4 I'm saying the next Street Fighter game I don't know what it is going to be I am not yeah. talking about a verse game I'm talking about another Street Fighter game. So whatever it happens to be. Um, and so with that, they, they've got a whole year to kind of ramp up or maybe even a year and a half uh, to coincide this game with like, you know, the, the next generation consoles and to do a bunch of other things. And, and as we kick this discussion off with, we, we said that like, look, Street Fighter V could be ported to the next generation consoles. Um, they can do more characters. They could do a bunch of other things to just kind of keep it on, pardon me for the phrase, but life support. You know, um, it, it we don't need a gigantic amount of, of stuff going because again, it, it's not apples to apples with Street Fighter 4 to Street Fighter 5, but it's close enough where I think the game can prop up the Pro Tour enough to keep it going. As you say, we we don't want to have breaks in there. Um, we have not had a break before. We should not have a break now. Just, you know, dial it back if you need to, right? Um, so, yeah. So, getting right back into it, mm-hmm. what I want to see with Street Fighter 5 is I want to see the full six characters this year. Uh, one way or another, I want to see all of them come out. You know, maybe they come out like the last, very last character comes out, in, like you know, at Capcom, uh, Capcom Cup, I should say. Um, and then I kind of want to see like the rest of the CPT costumes, which are they're always a really big sale, you know, point for Capcom. Even in Street Fighter Four, like we we got the freaking like uh, the Halloween costumes. Did we get like fruit costumes or something like that? I think I'm remembering that wrong, but like there's summer vacation, and I'm sure some of them had to do with eating fruit or something yeah. along those lines. I mean, we got the full on. Here's like the most ridiculous stuff like we really don't care that much what our characters look like at the very end of this game's lifespan right (laughs) and 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 so that's you know kind of what they put in there it's like okay so do that again and we haven't quite gotten to that overly goofy point life in in street fighter 5's lifespan just yet um i think we've generally been like this is very cool and aware type of costumes And, and you know this is like our 
second you know tier ideas basically coming out at the very end so i, I mm-hmm. think once we hit that we'll kind of know that you know we're close to the end if, if we don't have the uh, you know the game announcement before then um and then so let's let's actually get into here to to 2020 um and this is where capcom has said like we're only going to support the game up until and for that i would like to see a partial year and for that i, I want to see like maybe one or two new characters or none would even be fine um but the key point here is that I want to see balance changes still. And I don't necessarily need to see a ton of them. And as I mentioned here before, um, uh, Capcom released Ultra Street Fighter 4. We got the five new characters. We got all that stuff. Even then, later on, they did a balance update that had Omega mode, but it had a balance update for the core game that kept life being breathed into the game for our competitive scene. And whenever we do balance changes, we know this for a fact on event hubs. Like We see the inrush of traffic, which is just crazy. The, so many people are interested in what their character got. And it may only last a month or two. Uh, it may last much longer. But balance changes for the competitive scene are gigantic. Question. Is it more along the lines of uh, I want to see balance changes because I want to see the game's balance get closer to, 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 well, balanced, to even? Mm -hmm. Or is it because you want to see a shuffling of the top and bottom tiers and you just want to see new characters on top? They can be the, you know, the broken or the the ahead of everybody else, but you just want to see some fresh faces in the top eights. Okay, so that's actually a really good question, um, and and kind of maybe in a different way than you anticipated. Um, I'm going to answer it a little bit of a roundabout way, but history shows in fighting games, like every now and again, you'll take a top tier character and nerf him to oblivion, right? But when a character is top tier, most times in that game, they held they hold on to that position are, are at the very least pretty darn good. Every now, Rashid. yeah, I mean, every now and again, you have a few characters that are like, oh, this character is amazing, and you just obliterate them, right? But I mean, mm-hmm. even look at Chun Li. Like Chun Li, right now, both you and I think is a pretty solid character. She was great in season one. Nash is a character you could definitely argue against, but for all the Nashes, we've got Mika, we've got Cami, um, we've got Karen. You know, all those characters have kind of stayed in the upper echelon, and that's just Street Fighter Five. And this is pretty much universal throughout most fighting games where you do have exceptions to that rule but if a character is top tier the developers always seem to have to struggle to nerf them down to a really bad spot right where they just completely obliterate them right um right so to answer your question what do i want to see um i don't really think that's going to be an option to just completely reshuffle and it's like all of a sudden you know falk is like the number one character in the game and and you know freaking jury and ed are all dominating and all that akuma is like the worst i just i don't see that as realistic um i i just want to see the as even of a playing field as we can get all things considered and it's never like akuma is going to be as good as like or as bad as ed or something like that just never going to happen but if you can separate the difference between akuma and ed i would be very happy and that's something i think we saw with ultra street fighter 4 where the developers figured out a number of things except for dj um dj is (laughs) dj dj well i went and visited wednesday night fights a little over a year ago now but they were playing it fairly regularly brent was bringing it i think once a week I mean, sorry, once a month or something like that. And he said that Japan had actually elevated DJ up on the tier list significantly. Like, it was a big deal that DJ had suddenly climbed up. Now, that's just one source of information, yeah. and that's somebody talking about Japan. So I get you. I get you. Well, well um, I mean, I mean, I sighed, and I should, you know, back, I, I should fix my face because, hey, Brent still plays the game, right? And he's still good at it. He was always very good at it. So I, I just, I'm so skeptical because I've heard DJ is good for the longest time. And so bear with me, but yes. Fair. No, that's totally fair. And you know what? It's it's, it's DJ. I kind of agree with you because I haven't seen it myself. And yeah, uh, but, but there was a point you made a little bit earlier about the way that uh, the top tier 
figures kind of tend to move around or, or rather don't really move around when they're changed you know, uh, most of the time. And I think that that really depends, like as far as if they stay where they're at, generally speaking, or they just fall down the mountain. I think a big part of that is if the thing that made them good was um, a poor design decision that they had, it was like an all or nothing. So I look at mm -hmm. Abigail in, in season three, for example, you take away um, what they took away from him. And he's not he's not worthless, but he went from being this oppressive, unstoppable rebel force to, you know, somewhere in the middle of the tier charts. And, and you see him once in a while. He took a really hard fall, at least, you know, in, in competitive play and how often you're seeing him. So uh, in analyzing how things would change with Street Fighter V, I think you'd want to look and see, well, how many characters are based around this one really strong thing that they do? And like, if you took that away or you nerfed it, like nerfing that directly nerfs the, the general position of the character mm -hmm. as opposed to a varied character that's good or decent in a lot of different avenues so if you take away from one it's like okay that's going to hurt a little bit but it's not like they have all of their eggs in one basket and as i think about it i don't think there's a lot of all eggs in one basket characters in street fighter 5 mm -hmm. right now i don't think that the i mean i i'd have to sit on it for a little bit but there doesn't come like some obvious example i think like the problem with rashid is his a his the main problem is his ability to um thrive when he's cornered or, or basically turn the tables on you so easily um i think he gets a lot of mileage out of that but if you took that away from him i think he would still have a lot of different things that hold him up as a character yeah i mean you just wouldn't yeah just to jump in a little bit and say we called street fighter 4 matchup fighter 4 and it really felt mm -hmm. like the game had some hopeless matchups where it's like no matter what i do i'm not gonna be able to get around this and it's something the developers i mean i don't know if this was their exact intention but they said look like every button in this game has a purpose like every move actually has a purpose and i could name off like 50 moves probably off the top of my head in street fighter 4 that serve no purpose at all and there was almost no reason to ever do them um mm -hmm. and i don't know how much that's impacted the matchups but it's it's so funny how often i'll explore a move or a tactic i never have and i'm like oh wow that really helps in this bison matchup or it really helps in this ball and, and it's the matchups like i don't hear that anymore and i heard that all the time in street fighter 4 so it, it's I, I agree with you yeah so so i guess that's just me kind of digging through this and saying well if we did more balancing what do i think the outcome would be and as far as i can tell right now i do think that that would be a good look for the game mm -hmm. i think that it would be appropriate and it wouldn't just be sending top tiers down to the bottom or bottom tiers up to the top nothing drastic like that so i'd be happy to see it too right so so moving on here next um uh you let people know that the service aspect of Street Fighter V is coming to an end to take pressure off of yourself, uh, communication about it. Um, it doesn't mean, again, no more updates, but the days of an expected constant flow of content are over. And I yes. mean, we're already at that point, but it would be nice to have Capcom come up on stage and say, like, hey, here's Street Fighter VI. We're, yeah. we're not at that point. We're not. And that's why people are so pissed off that, <sighs> that it's been six months about this DLC content. And, and and it's the thing is, we could be at that point right. if Capcom just said so. Right. If they just said, don't, you know, hang out for six months. Sorry if that sucks, but that's what we're doing. At least we would know. And there, yeah. the expectation would be like, well, it's not get up every day and maybe in the back of my mind something's going to happen. It's no, I know it's not until then. Okay, fine. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I guess I, I'm thinking that it might, but we have no idea, right? We don't even know what's coming in August, which is fine. It's just, we have no idea if that's going to be the end of it in August or what's right. going to happen. And uh, it's a lot of frustration bleeding over from there. Um, 
But anyway, but your point is if they manage expectations. Yeah, yes. managing expectations here. So anyway, so they can come out and say, yes, Street Fighter V is coming to an end. And this is the last of the content whenever, you know, we're getting to that point. Uh, and they say, hey, many of our team members have already shifted over to Street Fighter VI. Here's a preview of it here at the Capcom 2020 Capcom Cup. Our preview is coming at E3. Um, again, maybe it's just the announcement, whatever, you know, type thing. Just kind of communicating what is going on at their company and, and how it's coming about. And again, I get you can't do that right at the start of a game being in development. But when it's been in development and you know it's coming out for a fact, you can say that. And we've seen it before. That's what happened with Street Fighter V. It's it's what they did, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a very graceful exit exit available from Street Fighter V, which we're not at right now. You know, I mean, I'm I'm okay. I've already said before with the communication that we're getting. I'm happy knowing, hey, we're only, you know, a month and a half away from whatever is going to happen at Evo or in August or whatever, you know, terminology they want to use. Um, it hasn't been a smooth ride. But now let's turn this around finally and let's set expectations of a slow wrap down with the game. This is yes. what's coming. Uh, and it doesn't mean you, you you show us all your cards. Like if you're going to port to the next generation consoles first before you release another one, we don't need to know that right away, right? We, we don't need to know that. Here's here's 50 other costumes. Here's a bunch of more stages, all that. Like we got some brand new yes, costumes today. Have fun with it. Yes. Have fun with it. Use it to like, use it to to get your audience's attention and their hype and let it like kind of jungle swing from moment to moment, just little releases, but you know, not of course against the backdrop of we haven't been telling you about the thing you want to know, just little things here and there. Keep thing, keep attention or expectations managed, but like every once in a while you give them a little bit to keep them coming back and, and like that's how you play the game and yeah. it can be fun for both sides. So, yeah, and yeah. I mean, we're getting the little announcements right now, but what's missing is the overarching narrative that we kind of mm. need to know where the game is going overall. That's the big thing, and that makes all the little and you know mid-range things like kind of add up. It's like, oh, my wife left me like an "I love you" note, you know, on my pillow, and and that was really nice, right? And thank you for doing that. But oh, our relationship's been complete crap for the last like two years, and we haven't been talking. <laughs> so that note doesn't exactly mean you know as much as you would hope for it to, right? And, and my mm. wife and I have a great relationship. Like that's not an issue. I'm just using that as an example i love you honey but anyway um uh that's that's kind of the point here it's like yeah just like tell us overall what's going on so i'm crossing my fingers and my freaking toes here and 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 just hoping in august that they have some kind of like thing more overall to tell us about the game like hey we understand we haven't communicated enough here's something more for you um and then as we, we spoke about hey throw in the balance updates um you know let us know about the cpt like all that other kind of stuff like adds up into so much more at that point in time and and, and that's how you have a graceful exit from the game and leave on a good note which is really important because guess what you want other people to buy your next games these other people are paying attention to what we're saying they're paying attention to to gamers in general they've seen how you know the street fighter audience has been treated they're like why am i going to sign up for that like why would i not go play like you know uh, mortal kombat 11 or freaking mortal kombat 12 or injustice 3 or whatever our smash brothers where they're doing things actually properly for their audience um and and that should be a shot in the freaking stomach in the face for capcom and realize that that fighting games are being supported at a higher level than they maybe ever have before and your game is being left behind there is a silver lining here that i'm kind of i guess gravitating towards right now and that's that the legacy of street fighter is so damn strong that even amidst all of this negativity 
that we talk about day in and day out because it's it's very much there. It's very real. But still, I, I know that I'm on board with, yes, and I hope that I'm rooting for Capcom. I'm rooting for Capcom to do it right. I'm, I'm hoping for this graceful exit and this graceful represent, or, um, um, introduction of the brand new content that's coming, whatever that you know tends to be, of the, the new game. And, and we all still want to play. So that's a testament both to the success of Street Fighter as a franchise and to Street Fighter V mm-hmm. because it is what's in front of us right now. And that's a huge part of the, of the, um, of the equation. It's like you're the legacy plus what's in front of you. And for all of the crap that we have seen, those two things adding up together are still enough to get us excited. And I guess I don't speak for everybody. I'm sure there have been people that have been turned off and that's going to happen. But I think as a whole, the general community is still rooting for Capcom to get it right. We're still hanging out, man. We still, there's some part of us deep down that still loves you so much and, you know, we can't, <laughs> can't break it off completely. And that's a good thing. And, and, and that's a positive. So... You know, like you say, it's been a rocky road, but let's hope for the best moving forward. And and you know what? I, I think they could do it. I think they absolutely could do it. So we'll see. So actually, up next, um, you were a little bit worried about Ono, uh, uh, of all people, um, kind of being out there on his island and having to communicate all this type of stuff to the fans out there. And, and it's yeah. a story you've been pretty close to. Like, go ahead and elaborate a little bit more on that. Like, tell, tell us, like, how are you feeling? So we've, as I just brought up, we've crapped on Capcom uh, for their communication skills about Street Fighter. That's not news to anybody at this point. This this has to do with that, but I'm not doing it just to, to do that again. Um, I'm doing it because as I was writing the most recent Ono tweets about August story that we've covered, um, actually not that we've covered, but that I did, I think I think there was another one uh, more recently, but I was writing that article and it was about, uh, it was at the end of E3 where Ono's tweet says something to the effect of, you know, we had a great E3, thank you for everyone that came by. Also, uh, look forward to August once again, my world warriors. And, um, and then he has like a self-reflexive, sort of bit of the tweet where it's as if he turns his um, he turns his attention to the Street Fighter development team as if they were there with him and they're in front of an audience of the community and say, and we want to do our absolute best for what's coming in August because we really want to meet your expectations. And I thought that that was um, something that's kind of come up in a few different ways in these Ono tweets over the last few months or so. And, um, and so this was just kind of like, I don't even want to, to say it's an emotional reaction is too heavy of a thing. But it was, again, what was on my heart while I was writing this. I was thinking about this situation. Well, just to interject here real quick. I mean, one of the things that has come across, like Ono gets batched up and down for a number of things, but his passion and his energy for this job is rarely questioned. And that yes. comes through shining through, like when you interview him, when you talk to him, he is a bundle of energy about Street Fighter. Yes. Yeah. And and that's that's just that that truth that runs through him is very endearing. Right. And so as I think about it, Capcom has released plenty of, you know, new costumes and the nighttime versions of stages and whatnot over this last six months. But as far as oh, and they've also done a bunch in the way of esports with Street Fighter League and updates on things like that. But as far as the stuff that people want the most, of course, the DLC characters, they haven't really had any official word. The most that we've had is tweets from Ono and his Blanca doll. And they're through like this broken English, you know, Japanese translation. And that's where all of what should be like the front and center main avenue of communicate or main point of communication. Um, the avenue that is going through is it like it falls squarely on Ono's back. 
you know, through his Twitter. And and I can see, and again, it's it's translated, so there could be something lost in the translation. But as you look at it, it feels as though he he's in touch with the community. He knows he's like there's this anxiety because he knows that we're like, we're like this is what we want and we've made that clear and we're upset to a degree. And and then he has Capcom on the other side and he's like, guys, do you get it? Do you get it? And 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 Capcom's not doing anything, so he's kind of doing this like running back and forth, like hustled, you know, driven by his passion to one quell the flames over on the community side and two kind of like nudge the guys over on the other side, you know please do this because I can see what they want and you're not giving it and I'm the bridge and it it was just a matter of feeling like man it sucks that this is what's happening and then it's against the backdrop of everybody else it seems just knocking it out of the park with their reveals and their character um, their, their character reveals and their communication with the community and the way they're getting people excited and and I and all of that was just man I, I feel kind of bad for Ono right now mm-hmm. um, I don't know what that does for anybody it's just something that crept up and I feel like it's somewhat relevant so that's that's where that comes from yeah um, I'll, I'll jump in and say that that Ono's a corporate officer at Capcom and uh, he's very high up the ladder um, I do feel definitely some you know empathy for him Uh Ono is such a beloved figure in our community, and he should be. Um, he's very much the man who bought, you know, brought fighting games back to the mainstream. Uh, they were dead for pretty much everyone. You know, I, I know uh, Harada was still doing Tekken. Um, you know, there's there's some you know exceptions there, but overall, you know, there sounds like there's a big juicy butt at the end of this statement. Um, he's he's the corporate officer at, at Capcom. He's very high up the ladder, you know, and and so some of the stuff is in his control to do. And I will just point out that I know Capcom is you know personally trying to address this because. The um, associate manager for social media in the community that's specifically being hired, you know, for fighting games and whatnot. Um, that person, uh, actually, I don't know if they've hired someone, but it, it does have on their LinkedIn page right now that they're no longer accepting applications for that position. So mm-hmm. that would, you know, be the assumption that they're they're further along in that process, right? And and you know that's it's possibly going to be something that they fill here in the very near future, uh, which again very much coincides with their esports goals and other things. And so a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, and you know, and trying to address here, and might be addressed by the time this person's up and fully trained and all that. Um, it's been a slow process, and you know. I mean, Capcom's lost a lot of very good people there. Um, I mean, it's, you can just look over the list. I, I don't even want to start naming people because, one, it will be upsetting, and two, it's like too many people to name. Um, yeah. uh, and, and so it, it's it's kind of a rough experience, but I, I don't know where to place the blame on all this stuff. I only know that there's plenty of blame to go around. You know, and and I, I do feel bad to some degree to Ono because I do know his heart and his head are so involved in this. At the same time, he's he has a bit of culpability on his hands too. So I'm sure, and people have certainly gone off on him. I remember when we ran the story about how the the corporate offices had seemingly changed around. If you looked at titles and such, and it seemed like a was it Riozo yeah. jumped up um, ahead of Ono and and kind of took maybe his old job or is now ahead of him in the fighting game division. Mm-hmm. People were like, yeah, well, maybe it's time for a change because we weren't happy, and and Ono's the face of of all of that for a lot of people. So. Yeah, certainly. And and I don't, you know, say all of this stuff to to try to rile people up and get pitchforks or get pity parties started or anything like that. It was just a reaction. Yeah, I mean, this is reality though, too. We want to fill in the blanks for people and say uh, how how many things in life do you go and you're like this is what's going on but this is also what's going on, and this is all yeah. Yeah, just like it's complicated. It's never straightforward, especially with a company this size that has, pardon me for saying so, Capcom, but this many problems. Um I can get myself into trouble here stating stuff from uh, people who 
have been there. Um, I'm trying to <laughs> dance around this a little bit, uh, and I have to be careful. I will just say that the company has had a lot of problems over the years. Uh, many things that are not public, and and this is the kind of stuff that that comes out from it. Like you you see some of the. Um, some of the residuals basically. Right. Um, but you know, we, we keep hoping and crossing our fingers because we love street fighter so much. This is, you know, the originator of our, you know, esports scene, fighting game scene for so many people. Uh, and we want to see it do well. Um, just a huge passion project for us. But on the bright side, though, um, Ono actually did say that in two weeks, he's going to be that at the Anime Expo. Um, Capcom is going to have a panel there um, where they're going to share looks at the characters and the artwork for Street Fighter. Um, and they actually showcase like brand new artwork I had never seen before um, that just had like the launch cast members in there. It's like Ryu, Chun-Li, Zangief, uh, and a few others. And then like Akuma is in there too, you know, as a, one of the first DLC characters. And I'm like, wait a second. Um... This is never before seen artwork. Is this new? Or is this something they had like in their vault or whatever? And so I ended up looking at that piece of artwork for probably a good 10 minutes, trying to see like where they cut it and all that to see if like, you know, they cut out like Rose and she's just sitting there like, you know, like she's got some purple stuff coming out of the bottom of, of anything like that I'm trying to find. Right. And it looks like it's just actually like a piece that, that has been around for a while or maybe it was commissioned just with these characters. It looks like it's proper ratio and all that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, to, to further follow up on that, like after uh, the Anime Expo in two weeks, um, one, I think we might get some hints during the show. It's July 4th is when the panel is at. Um, and, and, you know, Ono's pretty notorious for kind of dropping hints about what we're going to see. That's a perfect opportunity for him to do so. And then just a month after that happens, Evo hits and all of us are expecting a character announcement there. If for some reason there is no character announcement at Evo, I think you and I are both going to come on the podcast and use every curse word we can find and just have to bleep all that afterwards. I don't, I don't know the levels of disappointment that we can get to if, if stuff is not at Evo. But yeah, it, there will be a lot of Rashid voice edits oh my on that goodness. episode of the podcast. Yeah. Absolutely. No, if if they do that, if they do that, as much as we've said that, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that. Where you might just go, that's the straw that breaks the camel's oh back. That's God. not even a straw. That's a giant plank dropped from you know forty thousand feet straight down into the camel's back. I don't know if I mean how much how much this wave of Capcom charisma from from previous Street Fighters and from the successes of Five as well, but is going to take you when you do something like that. So yeah. uh, I don't expect that at all. Yeah. But if they did that, I'm like, oh that's yeah. that's nails in the coffin, that, man. I, I think that even might get me to finally go away, which is insanity. But um, it, but again, their history shows that that they announced almost everything at Evo. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we just mentioned Ultra Street Fighter 4 got revealed there at a panel and all that. And it's like, hey, that's perfect. It's a great spot to announce it. Your communication should have been better, but whatever. Um, so anyway... Um, uh, ono has previously stated that August is just around the corner. He put this up at Twitter uh, and that the Street Fighter V development team are giving it their best shot. And as you mentioned, it's the communication here is just kind of nice to see in general. Like, hey, so Ono's just saying like, hey, you know what? We kind of messed up. Um, and and here, you know, here's what we're saying right now. And we're sorry, you know, to some degree, right? As best mm -hmm. he can on Twitter. And I, I'm good with, like, that's how I feel when I'm looking at his tweets. It's like, hey, at least they get it now. I know it's not exactly what we want, but it's, it's, I'm okay with this. So, so there it is. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So moving along here, um, we have the Samurai Showdown um, demo or demo, not what am I talking about? Demo. We've got the final game, baby. Like it's come <laughs> out and it's, it's a four frame input delay thing. And we put these guys on blast. We said, Hey, you know, eight frames is unacceptable. And um, they got in there right away. You've been all over the story. Like, what are you seeing so far? Yeah. So, uh, the game, the game isn't quite out yet, but there are copies I think out in the wild. 
so the the Japanese demo came out. Uh, was only available for a very short amount of time, but um, WYDD Luic Petit, if I get anywhere near that for the French pronunciation, he's been our our input lag guy uh, for the FGC, and he ran the numbers on it. It was what he called like the worst example uh, lag he's ever measured, I think is what he said. And it was eight frames of input lag with an 83% stability rate. And SNK saw that, and immediately jumped to action. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it, right? And, and we were talking about, well, can they get this fixed by the time the game comes out at the end of this month? And we had a lot of reservation and pessimism at it because it seems as though to fix input lag, I know it was a huge deal for Tekken 7 and they did it, uh, but it, it seemed to be like the, it, it, was a, it wasn't something you can do overnight. And then it happened eventually for Street Fighter as well. And of course, that wasn't something that happened overnight at all. Mm-hmm. So the idea that these guys could make him like a fix that seemingly that drastic that quickly was not something we figured was in the cards. Well, they sent out a representative to visit Petit in Paris with the game, with a copy of the game, to to jump in, see what was up, and and get things fixed. And I don't know the details beyond that, but that shows some hustle and bustle, man. And they did. They fixed it. And now it's down to four frames of uh, input. Like, I think it's 4.01, something along that. Really good. And a 92% mm-hmm. stability rating, which we would have been happy with 83, I think, uh, at least us Street Fighter V fans. <laughs> but they turned that around so quickly. And, uh, you know, we've talked about SNK as they're not quite a AAA uh, uh, development company. Their, their games certainly have their place at the table in the FGC, but they're not, haven't been as big um, as some others. But man, this move makes them look so good, especially when you compare it to, you know, a lot of other similar situations with input lag and how big of a, just like a dead body that tends to be where that you have to like just wear it around your back as a game. It, it can really weigh down the way people see you, the way people perceive your game. And as that's kind of how we talked about it. It's like, it's, this isn't necessarily a death sentence, but this is a very terrible look to have just two or three weeks before your game actually comes out. This is going to be a reason a lot of people decide not to buy Sam show. So this fix is an, is an example of just amazing hop to it, elbow Greece, whatever they needed to do to get it done, they got it done, and it's a really good look for SNK. Yeah, um, I'm I'm pretty darn happy with it overall. Uh, I I really would love to play the game on anything but the PS4. Pretty much, I uh, really want to hmm. play it on PC. Uh, so I'm again reserving judgment until I can actually get it on PC. But it will be a day one buy for me as it's looking right now. Um, addressing this kind of stuff and acknowledging our community and saying, hey, this is a big deal. That wins a lot of points with me. So tip my cap to him. I've certainly developed, especially playing Street Fighter V, and especially playing since the input lag was reduced, I've developed a, a, a new appreciation, like a new level of appreciation for footsies mm-hmm. and for playing that part of the fighting game, you know, back and forth. And Samurai Showdown has always been that, right? Yep. Just it's, it's pokes and it's spacing and it's footsies. And then the reward for it seems pretty cool too because you end up cutting someone in half or whatever. So it's like the... The, the action of Mortal Kombat with the thought process of, you know, the more intricate footsies and, and, and that aspect of things. And I think that that's potentially a recipe for success. I don't know that it's a recipe for success in the general FGC public if enough people are going to, excuse me, if enough people are going to actually give this a chance. But I would definitely, if, if Sam's show is around, I will definitely give it some time. I will definitely sit down and play it and see if it's fun. 
um, because I suspect that it will be. It looks like it will be, especially with this. Well, first of all, with the fact that the input lag is as low as it is now, but also that if there's a problem, I can trust that SNK is going to hop to it and fix it. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great look. I, I really like that. It's uh, um, but uh, speaking actually of great looks, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 is on pace to outsell Mortal Kombat X or Mortal Kombat 10, whatever you want to say. It looks like so far, um, the Mortal uh, month two sales, I should say, of Mortal Kombat 11 nearly doubled the comparison comparable sales of any other Mortal Kombat game in the history of the franchise. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, wow, like doubling up, like we're talking Mortal Kombat 2, Mortal Kombat, like you're, you're hating, not only that, but like, but um, MK10, which, you know, almost sold like 11 million copies. Like you're doubling up that game as well. Really? Like that. And so I, I don't think we're going to end up at like, you know, 20 million units of Mortal Kombat, you know, 11 sold. I don't think that's realistic. Uh, at least, you know, for that, that month two period though, they did phenomenally well. And, uh, so that would be May, right? The game came out in April. Um, that shows you that the word of mouth got around about how good the game was, how many things they did right. Uh, of course, NRS's reputation in our community has been very strong as of late, especially for that single player content, which so many people care about. Um, and, and yeah, so um, even going back just uh, to the, the launch date of the game in April, uh, Mortal Kombat 11 was the best selling title across all four of its platforms, um, the PS4, Xbox One, uh, Nintendo Switch, and then the PC. It's recognizable. They did everything. They minded their P's and Q's. They dotted their I's and lowercase j's they cross their t's right they got everything and then they and not only that but then they follow it up with while we're still kind of kind of hot but starting to cool off oh here's what shang sung looks like and it's badass and also you're getting sindel and nightwolf and also the the internet is amazing like you've never experienced before at least out here in the west and when there was a problem with the Towers of Time and such and the grindy aspects of it, well, hey, they hopped to it and they fixed it. So if you're looking at Mortal Kombat as a package deal, it's a pretty good deal. Mm-hmm. And then people are having fun. You can have fun as a general player. You can have fun as a competitive player. It's, it's, it's going into each avenue of its audience and it's doing right by them. So as I look at all these different pieces, I go, yeah, that adds up to what you're seeing right now. And I'm really happy for them to see that, too. I think that they, it's it's very well-deserved. And it makes me look forward to, even though I'm not necessarily playing the game uh, competitively and, and really delving into it, I'm happy to sit down and play. And I think that there's a certain... Uh, there's a certain uh, a victory or a sense of victory about that when you have people that even if we're not going hardcore and grinding every day and make sure we hit every daily challenge and open everything up in the crypt, which I actually think I did. But anyways, uh, grind through and just live and breathe Mortal Kombat. If it's like something that, yeah, I'll take it. If it's if it's around, I'll take it. That's something that that really is a, is a victory. And I think that MK got it just on every single level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the game looks like it's going to be on pace again to, to beat out Mortal Kombat 10's 11 million copies. Uh, I don't even know where it's going to end up. At. I mean, we're, are we going to have a 15 you know million seller here or something like that? Um, this was the best-selling game on uh, on May, the month after it came out, for both the PS4 and the Xbox One. And, and, and this is USI too. I should have you know set that up front with the uh, MPD, but still, you know, US being the biggest market, um, you know, there it is. This is great. I mean, it continues to be great. It's just like, wow, uh, I, I never kind of expected fighting games to be at this point, like right here. And I didn't expect it from Mortal Kombat. I expected it from Smash. I did not expect it from Mortal Kombat. And there you go. 
And it's just like yeah. you do things right and people will respond. And um, man, I, I'm so tempted to switch over to this game. It's just like, I can't play it around my kids. I, it's just, it's, I can't, I can't do it. And, and I, I'm honestly, after all this news, like, and, and hearing how the net play is, like, I am so tempted to, I really almost want to switch over to this game as my main chicken, right? And just go from there. Would you play Shang Tsung? Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, but I usually, uh, I, I don't know, I'm going to get in trouble on the podcast, but I, I generally, uh, I'll just say that Luffy and I have similar mindsets about characters in fighting games. <laughs> uh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. So <clears throat> anyway, uh, yeah. Should we? Should are we gonna talk about? Well, it was actually Steven's main gripe with with Shang Song. Everyone's singing his praises so much, but Steven actually had something negative to say about him yesterday. No, go for it. Yeah, yeah, hit it. I think it's worth bringing up because we're we're putting Mortal Kombat pretty high up on the pedestal right now, and I gotta I gotta bring it down to earth just a little bit. So Shang Song revealed super hype. Kerry Tagawa, awesome, perfect. Uh, they capture the essence of the character like we all remember him nostalgically in his most badass form and it's great and then not only is he able to turn into the character that he's fighting against for like six seconds or so he's able to turn into the ninjas that we all love so ermac and smoke and reptile rain all of that and that's only for single moves so like if he turns into rain he like does the around the world kick and you can amplify it and get a combo afterwards but he just turns into that character for a second does the move and then turns back which that's cool um but as we've just gotten the character in the game, as it turns out and how it stands right now, you those the, the ninjas are not in the tournament variations of the character's build. So if you're playing, uh, you know, once Shang Tsung becomes tournament legal in a, in a few weeks, then you won't actually see the builds that have those moves in them, as far as I understand it. I haven't yeah. personally gone through and looked at it, but that's what Steven said. And he was pretty, you know, because that, that's one of the things that was like such an allure for so many people. That was a huge part of Shang Tsung. It was like, oh, and I get to do, you know, Smoke's move or Rain's move, and, and that's really cool. Well, uh, no, you don't, because that's only when you're playing casuals and, and with your own specific variations and you put those moves in. But if you're playing in tournament, he doesn't have those. So that could change because they've said they're going to tweak around the tournament variations. That's going to be part of the balancing system. And I think they're actually going to add a I I think the plan is to add a third uh, but don't quote me on that but as it stands right now no ninjas as Shang Tsung and that seems like a little bit of false advertising when you think about it yeah it's it's pretty it's featured pretty predominantly in the trailer and it's an expectation with Shang Tsung that that you have more than just you know the the carbon copy of your your opponent type of you know soul still or whatever type thing you want to say it's kind of been a staple of the character you would expect to some degree uh it's a bit disappointing but i guess there's also a chance for nrs to you know do a make good on it especially since they're tweaking around variations and different things and how those are used um but yeah uh, out of the gate not the best of looking it's definitely a story it's a nitpick but but it's it's kind of a big deal it's nothing official on paper you couldn't that wouldn't hold up in the court of law but in the cold of the court of social like what's okay and what's not it's kind of like what the heck nrs yeah so I guess pack it up. Mortal Kombat 11 sucks Yeah, now. But it's, the game's done now. We're, we're, we're through done. it. Yeah. Um, all right. So moving along here, we have Dogura releasing his Street Fighter V tier list. And this one is a, pretty interesting to me because his tier list is pretty much what you would expect at the very top. He's got Akuma, Rashid, and then Karen. You could debate Karen a little bit, but you certainly can't debate her results right now. So, I mean, it kind of moving right on from those characters. And the next row is Ibuki, Birdie, Bison, and then Colleen. And mm-hmm. I think Colleen is kind of the surprise here because, um, like, 
she hasn't done that much in tournament. She's played. Uh, you've got some people like Momochi and a few others playing her and doing okay with her, but it's not like this character is like explosive in terms of, of you know justifying what is that like a top seven spot in this game right now. Um, and then also Birdie is down there like another tier lower because he was listed a, a lot of times as you know the very start here of season. The Japanese four. love Birdie. Yeah. On top. they think well, that sounded weird, but I'm not going to take it. Yeah, back. No, no, keep, uh, own that. Yeah, hold that. <laughs> but yes, the, you'll often see that he'll be like the first character and and these i should mention um i don't know that they're necessarily in order from left to right it might just be a I vertical think he was thing. In, in order but yeah yeah okay but but even then if someone puts the character very first on the list you go well that was the one they were probably the most sure of mm-hmm. and you often see birdie at the top of a lot of japanese season four tier lists so yeah i mean he is technically i guess he's the fifth character that that dogra put up there if he went in that order yeah. uh, but in in and in the second tier yeah and and that's what kind of threw me off there is is like okay wait you've got birdie up here um he was number one before and this character has gotten no nerfs like what's going on here uh and and so many people had him as number one um and he definitely hasn't switched over to being a rare character in tournament, but I, this goes to show that, the, in my opinion, that his initial impression was overvalued quite a bit in terms of what players thought of him. This is not like some crappy, you know, scrubby players or whatever. This is some of Japan's best players weighing in and saying, yeah, Birdie is the number one character. Uh, yeah, well, I think Dogra has been playing a lot of Dragon Ball Fighters or something like well, this because there's a lot on this tier list I disagree well, with. Well, Dogra <laughs> plays a lot. He plays like every game. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, hey, you play the Sailor Moon fighting game. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm godlike at it. It's like, okay, well, I believe it. <laughs> Like you could say you're godlike at like tic tac toe, and I'd be like, yeah, you probably are. You're Dogura. So what am I gonna say? Uh, but anyway, um, uh, what I'm seeing right now is a lot of uh, not a lot of birdie players, but uh, birdie players are actually starting to go away from V Trigger Two, which is you know his uh, two bar uh, throw your chain out there does massive damage, maybe even unfair damage. Um, Mana RD mostly uses V Trigger One, and that's been that way I think pretty much like since like the get go of this character. I maybe have seen him use V Trigger Two a few times, but he's almost always been a V Trigger One guy, and that's the one that most people in the community know, right? That's what he won Capcom mm-hmm. Cup with. It's you know he freaking does massive damage. He walks at like the speed of light, whatever, you know? Um, so I'm even starting to see people like Fudo and others go away from V trick or two now. And I'm going, okay, wait a second. Do people like really heavily overrate this move? And, and this is his most substantial buff that he got in season four by far. It's not even close. Uh, and that's kind of like really the only buff that he got. And so you're saying that the one buff that he got that people are stopping, like not even using as much, like how did this character jump from like maybe what is it like uh, a tier or whatever to like an S tier character if the one buff that people are using isn't being used anymore? Well, but he also got Birdie is weirdly a very good footsies character. Mm-hmm. Um, his standing light kick. I was talking to my friend Mike, who's picked him up, and his standing light kick. You can you know you can hold the um, the the zonk, whatever the zonk move is. They're all bull, bull something, horn. bullhead, yeah. bullsh. Tiger. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but you can hold that button down and then just like fish around with standing light kick, confirm a standing light kick, and then release it for for an amazing situation with footsies. And it's like it's not that it, it, it birdies so big that his buttons just naturally reach so far, right? Similar to what you you know we've talked about with Abigail before. And then his standing medium punch for a whiff punish into into like plenty of birdie stuff where he's actually at his best. He's got a really good neutral game and neutral games and footsie games got buffed in October of last year when the game uh, dropped you know a few input lag frames and I think that that's also a reason why and, and maybe not as as readily apparent a reason but also a reason birdies ch- uh, you know charging up these uh, 
these these tier charts. Mm. Yeah, it's um, and I think that's why he charged up, and now I think it's kind of why he's charging down. Actually, is people are starting to come back down to earth with him. I think he's a very good character, and you know, we we've talked about it before. A lot of the other top tiers got nerfed. Um, I think Abigail, uh, and Manat and stuff like those characters getting hurt, and especially I would say someone like Guile, right? Um, them getting knocked down has definitely helped him. But I don't know. Yes. I, I we kind of felt like from the get go that Japan was really overrating this character, and it does go to show, and you know, put anyone on blast, including ourselves, right? It's like we're speculating about this stuff like never take it to the bank that oh birdie's the number one character in the game because someone said so or whatever it's like everyone's figuring this stuff out we figure this stuff out probably at a quicker and better rate than we ever have before because of all the technology in front of us that we're able to share information and matchups and all that kind of stuff but things could change and they can change because there was no changes to the game at all just people's perception of what is going on has changed and uh, and there it is so and I, yeah i agree i agree with where dogara pretty much puts birdie mm-hmm. here and Me i too. have like i've i've thought that birdie's probably a top five to even i'll go to top seven sort of character from what i've seen thus far and i think he can definitely get the job done but i think that it's still like a top five top seven sort of thing but there are a couple other characters on here oh yeah go for that, it go for it let's get into those okay so so yes okay you brought up colleen I think that people see Colleen's potential without seeing it actually realized very often, but especially pro players, you see the tools she has and you go, it's just a matter of time before that character just kind of comes together and clicks. And yet we haven't really seen her do that, but I think that's part of it. It's like people see what she can do with with a lot of her moves, a lot of the V-Trigger 2 shenanigans, the, the, not even shenanigans, but just the things she's capable of doing there, the cancels and the movement and, uh, and the damage output, her standing heavy punch got a little nerfed but it's still a very strong tool and and you can see it when she does it if you've played fighting games for a while you can see when colin does this move colleen does this move just how powerful it it could be just because you know what you know moves sort of look like and when they're good sometimes you can identify sometimes it's 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 not actually good and it just looks that way because it looks similar to a previous move that was really good but my point is i think she is pretty damn good i i wouldn't be upset with her in the top 10 and so I'm pretty okay with where she is on this particular tier list as well. Although I am hesitant to say that she's still uh, better than Cammy. I don't know. Yeah. That's that's a little bit of a thing there. Um, so so I'm okay with Colleen, and I think that's why people put her higher than than what the results would say she is. Uh, but but then kind of going down from there, he's got Cammy, Guile, sure fine, Abigail. Abigail's still there above, pretty well above the mid-tier as far as um, the rest of the cast is concerned. And then Urien and Armika. I would put Urien up higher than than in the group that he's in. And Armika as well. She, I mean, and mm. my, I actually have a huge issue with Guile being that far up. His tournament usage, like he's a character that went from being one of the more dominant tournament characters to his usage has fallen off the map. Uh, you've got Daigo, you've got Knuckle Dew, you've got a few other people using him, but the amount of Guile players has dream- decreased maybe... 50 percent 60 percent yeah i put him between 10 and 15 yeah i mean it's it's there's a case to be made that he's not even that good anymore but he's enough of a hard counter to certain characters and play styles that he's still very valid in the tournament scene right like there's a number of players that just they just struggle against what guile can do even if the character is not that powerful let's say he's much worse than Manat, which may not be an unfair statement to make but his style is such a hard counter to some of the stuff that people can do like you're seeing him more frequently well, then uh, Armika, I don't think is all that special. Really? I okay. think that Armika is probably middle of the pack somewhere, maybe oh, a wow. little bit above average. Wow. Yeah. I com- but I don't wow. think she's all that. I know you, lo- you, you're, you're, you fear the Mika. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that Mika can always get it done. And when Mika gets it done, especially with V-Trigger stuff, it one, it feels just like, well, what happened? I don't know. I had life and now I don't. And that's very daunting. And that, that, that leaves an impression on you. And you go, yeah, I need to fear that. Um, and, and when you see it happen, it's very hype and crazy and such. And so you remember the really good points that, that Mika, um, you know, her, her really high moments. But as you kind of pick her apart, I, I think that, um, and, and my friend Mike and I were actually talking about this recently as well because he's played Mika since day one. There aren't a lot of legitimate things outside of when she has you cornered, like, like that she can actually do or get away with as much as she gets away with. It's more so that people just, for whatever reason, haven't labbed this character, which doesn't make sense because she's so prominent, right? You, you're going to run into Mika's just about everywhere. But like her footsies are not amazing. Her tools to get in are, it'll work some of the time, but it doesn't work enough of the time, especially with a lowered lag for her to be all that consistent. So it's like Amika can explode. She can be like a, an atomic bomb and, and, and she can definitely steal around away. I mean, I'm going to jump I in there on the consistency stuff and say Fudo. I mean, I get Fudo that. Fudo switched he, to Birdie. I, well, he's he's actually splitting time between the two characters, and he's probably right now playing Mika about 60% and then Birdie about 40%. Um, right now at this point in time, I think he's playing Mika just a little bit more. Um, and it could be matchup dependent. You know, it's it's very close to splitting time. But, I mean, even then, but Luffy has stayed with the character and, and done really well with her still. Um, and I think Luffy would agree with me, though. Hmm. I think Luffy puts Mika somewhere around, like, the... A, a little above average in the mid tier, but I think like she's she's overly feared because of of her legacy and because of what we remember about how how strong she is, what we remember about when we see matches with her. But a lot of the stuff is her getting away with things that she probably shouldn't be getting away with as much of. Okay, and it's a difference between so, I mean, juggling too many options at once versus the t- the the frame data when she's negative and she's still like trying to press forward or something like that, right. where people just aren't contesting because they don't know things like that. I mean, we've got the the unblockable Fudo setup where if he gets it, like he's landing his critical art or he's landing a combo into it. That's like almost impossible to escape and like you have to like have frame perfect back dashing with like like 25 percent of the characters or something to escape it like and like the other 75 percent can't escape it at all i ugh, i don't know I just, yeah but okay. when's the last time amika won a tournament when's the last time i mean i mean it's yes Fudo. she he can second every tournament that's what he does so. <laughs> yeah but but again spread with birdie and such i'm just saying right. i don't and, and and she can she can win matches right. for sure especially shorter sets where where she can you know just do that where am i coming and if i get in it's 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 crazy and it's good but there are a lot of characters that do that anyway, and there are ones that do it better than she can. And so I think that, yeah, sure, she can drop an atom bomb here and there, but I think we're really afraid of atom bombs, but they're not the make or break for her. And and also it's just a matter of people don't lab her enough um, to, to really understand where to to stop her, to put an end to her shenanigans. So, so okay, I'll give you this. With as much as she gets away with, she is higher on the tier lists, and 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 it's because she's been performing that well, and because people haven't been doing their research. Um, but I think that truly, like where she should be, is is further down. Um, and and so where Dogra puts her here, what is that like top? Let's see, four eight. She's in like. Th- 13th 14th place or so i'm okay with that i think so yeah. somewhere around there. i still have her as a top 10 character i mean fudo got second at taipei major with her obviously birdie mika split but also yo yo tay uh got fifth place with her at that same tournament um again uh be, yeah, he got fourth place with her at um uh fighter spirit i mean these are the last couple tournaments here i i mean this is a character that's like continuing like i personally don't see how she's out of the top 10 
Um, but uh, I mean, it, I guess it's just kind of a point of contention, which is fine, you know, kind of thing. We sure. we, we agree plenty, fine to disagree too. Um, I mean, I just I see this character as she can't consistently maybe win a tournament, and I think that's maybe why Fudo has gone away from her because there, there are some matchups she runs into, and it's like, well. I can do this, but I fear my ability to maybe be consistent with her. Like, that's where I can see the inconsistency of like, yeah, she's not Nabuki. She's not Nakuma. She's not a Rashid where it's like, I don't really have to worry about so many matchups here. I think Mika can definitely hit a bit of a wall in some of these, you know, sets and whatnot. And I think that it's pretty advisable to have an alt with her um, because, I mean, the the tournament wins at that level have not consistently shown up outside of Luffy and Fudo. Um and so I, I, that's kind of where I could see it at, but like I, I just can't see knocking her that far down because like when you're getting into the top ten area, like I mean, just even on on Dogra's list alone, like you're starting to couple in there like characters like Abigail, Zangief, uh, like freaking Sakura, you know? It's like no, it's like you can't. You, she Mika's so much better than those characters. Like I I think she's even a good bit better than Monada's right now, but uh, not a lot, but a, a bit better. But uh, but yeah. What about the only the other character I wanted to talk about on this list is G, who's in the yeah. the tier. He's in the second tier from the bottom. Now, the bottom tier is just kind of like the rest. Yeah. Like, everybody else is not very viable, and there's like a handful of characters in there, like almost half. But then in the A- minus tier, which is the fourth one down, S, S-A, minus A, A-, minus, um, this is the one right below Mika, and it's Zangief and then G. And uh, that was the other one where, yeah, Japan has not been impressed with G, mm-hmm. um, relatively speaking. But him that far down, I guess that's what... Actually, he's in 14th place. Mika's in 12th place, uh, relatively. So I, I think that he needs to be boosted up um, a little bit higher because you're saying G is worse than Abigail, Guile, Armika, um, Colleen. I don't know about all those. Yeah, uh, I mean, and, and I think his perspective is going to be quite a bit different because he plays in tournaments so much, right? Um, and he plays 50 different games, as I alluded to before. And so I think maybe when you start going lower on the tier list, his understanding of those characters and those matchups is going to drop down quite a bit. And his fighting game skills are just so exceptional, especially at a tournament level that he's used to playing against very high-end people. Uh, I don't think Japan has a lot of great G players. I mean, we know that for sure, right? Uh, There's a few Mm. out there, but they don't have 801 Strider and Smug running around out here, Uh, among a few others, actually, right? We've got Knuckle Dew playing them. We've got uh, uh, Nephew playing them. Everybody has a pocket G. Everyone's got a pocket G G here in America. Like, you know, get wrecked by them because that's what's going to happen here you know, it, I guess if I guess the lesson here from from Dogro's tier list is if you see him in tournament and you have a pocket G, play him because he's probably going to yeah, lose. <laughs> Do you think G's lower on the tier list than Mika though? Um, I think G's higher. I think G's. Okay. At, I I've got G right now as around a top seven to top five character. I think he's actually fairly underrated outside of America. Um, and in America we do seem to have him around that range, right? Because uh, you've got Akuma Rashid, uh, probably Bison for me somewhere around there, Birdie, uh, then Ibuki, Colleen, and then right at that point, like, do you put G? Right? Like, is there anyone else that can kind of beat G at that point? I, you think Colleen's better than G? No, not not a chance in hell. Okay, so so oh, or did you mean Karen? Oh, did, yeah, I said I, if I said Colleen, I meant Karen. My apologies. Oh, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's he's somewhere up there in the top ten, uh, maybe not top five. But if he ends up top five, I wouldn't be very surprised. Yeah. So uh, so we better put a bow on this one here because we're, we're going sure. pretty far. But a couple last characters I do want to talk about because we've got our mains in here. We've got from the second to last, we've got Nikali and Minot in the same tier. And bottom of the of what I guess we could call the viable tier. According yeah, to which I think that's about right. Right. These are the characters who are actually tournament viable. Um, and then you know, but that's coupled in here with Kin, Sakura, uh, Zeku. I have no argument about it. Just too low. And then and Zangief and it's like I look at that I go 
Really? Like Zangief of all, like he must have played Itazan like a lot and thinks Zangief's good. Zangief's good this time. Really? Okay. Yeah. uh, With what he has in this, in, in this iteration in season four, he's not the best character, but he's, he's a threat. Um, I even playing, I've played a handful of different Zangief, some of them higher skill than others. And you can see uh, even, even playing the lower skilled ones, you're like, yeah, the threat is there. And the higher skilled ones, it's like, the threat is really there and it's not an impossible it doesn't feel like when snake eyes was walking you down in in ultra street fighter 4 it doesn't feel like that by any means but uh you can in the same way that like you slip up against mika and she's in and she kills you you slip up against zangief and it's a little different because he's not doing a bunch of shenanigans to get close to you but you slip up in the footsies game and uh and good luck getting out of that you know that that gee vortex that it feels like you get put in with the standing medium punch buff, I think that was a huge thing for him in that footsies game. It makes him scary, and it, it's another avenue of him getting close, which is really scary. Okay, uh, I that's one matchup I really am not qualified to speak on because I, oh it's, yeah, because you just run oh, him over. <laughs> I I literally still feel bad to this very day. Like Geef got buffed and Manat got worse, and I still swear that's like an eight two matchup in this game. It's at least seven three. That could be a freaking eight two. It's like I'm gonna sit here and if you do anything stupid at all, I've got like I've got plenty of reaction time. Um, I can just sit here and pound away at you with stand heavy punch and and stand i mean i have ran across very good geef players uh stupendous being one of them um there's a few others i've ran across and it's just like you know what um you're you're so hopeless and then like stupendous will switch over to like ball rocking just kick my butt right and it's like (laughs) it's um i hate that matchup i'm still learning it but my point is like stupendous is a strong player and he knows exactly what he's doing and it's like even him he's like okay you know i, I guess i'm just gonna lose yeah. this one and i mean the one time geef gets in he can do something but it's like it, uh, again it's, it feels like he loses about 80 percent of the matchup 70 percent of the matchups against a, a competent monot so yeah i would definitely put nikali and monot higher up than dogra has him yeah. here and for that matter i and balrog's down in the in the uh i guess the not viable tier that's my their verbiage not his balrog and chun Li, which i'm like mm, i think they're a little bit higher than that yeah. man yeah and we're seeing stuff now like even with uh like a couple of characters that are kind of on their way up like we've already talked about chun Li here on the pod and we both think she's quite good uh and i mean the results are very much showing that uh we've also got characters making a splash now like sagat uh a bit of blanca of all things like we're starting to see some blanca stuff go on and then um we both think uh or at least thought i i still am on this train damn it i'm gonna ride the cody train till i die of he's still good and people are sleeping on him um but uh but yeah. The verdict is out for me. I'd have to see more yeah. at this point. It's been so long since I've had much sampling of Cody. Then, uh, yeah, maybe I don't know. I, I would have want to see what uh, what's his name, Shazzy. Shazzy, yeah, he, I haven't seen him online. Yeah, I want to see him play in a tournament or two and see how that goes and see if uh, that translates at all. If some if people can wake up to what the potential of Cody is, or maybe it's just online gimmicks. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I would, and I also think Jury should be higher up too. A uh, cool kid is playing uh, Cody too as an alt from uh, um, Abigail. Yeah, from Abigail. Oh, yeah. So he's doing some stuff with him for sure and i mean you can see some very good potential there um and i mean i i I, people have clearly not labbed the matchup but of course you know cool kids not getting insane results either so there it is uh interesting stuff but uh anyway moving right along here uh momochi uh one of the top fighting game players ever uh he thinks that making fighting games easier is a bad idea you know and i'm going to assume here with the translation that went up that it is super on point and could be taken verbatim translations usually cannot be taken that way but i mean it's what we have to work with and so 
we have to work with what we have, right? So yeah. Momochi thinks that that difficulty is not actually what's keeping newcomers from sticking around and that making things easier is not an efficient solution. Um, and making games easier for greener players to win at, developers run the risk of, of turning off their more hardcore audience members who they've already got in the door um, and who are already putting the time and expect to have consistent play uh have the biggest impact right like i've put in this much more time i have this much more skill like this should be shining through right Mm -hmm. um and so he says as such it would be a tragic if a title wound up ostracizing the old audience as as a result of trying to appeal to the new audiences um and i think we've kind of seen this with like pretty much every fighting game that plenty of the people who played it previously are not going to stick with it for usually a variety of reasons mostly it's life you know type thing it's like you get older uh, you have other things to juggle it's really hard to juggle a career as a professional player or someone who plays even like casually sometimes right i I wish i should say that that whole that bit about um it would be tragic to ostracize old players for the sake of new players is those are my words uh, based on what i felt momochi was saying in the in the text of the article but right. but that is what i think he is saying right. i should just you know, that's not a quote from right, him. right 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 uh, actually to, to quote him though says uh, I, I disagree with the idea if you make a game easy you'll get more new players he said um mm-hmm. it's not that they don't play the game because it's difficult uh they don't even try to play fighting games to begin with uh they don't even know if it's difficult like uh, and so yeah so so his argument is not that I, it, what it sounds like is that he's saying it's not about fighting games being too hard upon entry because that's what something that we talk about that all the time that comes up constantly and like what are the barriers to getting our genre closer to what the MOBAs are doing or the FPSs or the, even the RTSs, stuff like that, where they, these, you know, blown up into huge esports entities and fighting games are there, but they certainly don't have the same numbers. And But they've been around even longer for, than a lot of these other genres. And you go, well, why? And it's like, well, the ease of getting into it. Fighting games are hard. If you start, you just get your butt kicked for like the first hundred games and then you win around. And then it's like, how many people are going to sit through that? And that, so that, that sounds good. It makes sense. And, and I think that's why it's that ideology or that idea rather it's stuck around for as long as it has. But I think that Momochi is saying, I don't think that that's what's happening. Um, and, he, and he goes, you know, Splatoon is hard when you first start, but people stick around with that. Um, and then you go, yeah, but like I play, I play Heroes of the Storm and, and yeah, it's, it's intimidating, but I can pick up a new character and just within like a game or two, like start getting like MVP with that character after a, after a you know set where you've done the best out of everybody the other you know nine other players in the game and I feel like compared to you know when I just sit into a new fighting game I I, I don't know it doesn't really translate for me right I I personally feel like Momochi is off base and he's falling back on something that a lot of a lot of top level players like the trap they fall into of we're making these games too easy to play and that's what's you know it's not going to work type thing and I'm like well the thing about it is if you study the history of fighting games, why he's off base here is Street Fighter 3. And Street Fighter 3 is considered the Grandmaster Chess version of Street Fighter for a lot of people. Uh, ono even outright called it that, excuse me, in the development of Street Fighter 4. And he said, look, if, if you want to see the top level and most insane level of Street Fighter, it is Street Fighter 3. It's the pinnacle of our series. And that is also the series that ended the franchise for about 10 years. And mm-hmm. it wasn't until actually Capcom got a marketing guy, an outside marketing guy to come in and said, hey, look, Street Fighter is your biggest IP. Why are you not doing something with it? That thing started to turn around. Uh, ono obviously played a very big part in that as well. Um, but I mean, it was like it took a lot to even get this franchise revisited because of what deep, dark 
horrible hole that Street Fighter 3 put this game into. And just to, to bring this home a little bit for people, the parry mechanic had, I think, like two or three frames where you could do it. Like you, you hit an attack on the, you know, the active frames that you could parry it either high or low. And I think you had about two or three frames in Street Fighter 3 Third Strike to do that. Um, and and that was something that most players on a casual level can't even really do. Um, they could try to do it, but it's like very hard for them to consistently do it. And then, so what they did in, in Street Fighter 4 is they did the focus attack and that was pressed you know, your two medium punch buttons or medium attack buttons, I should say. And then, you know, you'd wind up into the, uh, the focusing and then you'd unleash it. It was very easy to do. Um, and, and that is their replacement basically for the parry. And as we were discussing before, um, Street Fighter 4 sold 9 million copies during its lifespan about that, uh, which is probably around Street Fighter 2 success rate or more. Um, it was a very strong fighter for Capcom, maybe their most successful fighting game ever. Uh, it's either between this or the Street Fighter 2 series. I am not sure to this day what one is actually better for Capcom with Street Fighter 2 or Street Fighter 4. That's how mm-hmm. big this was and, and how much of a life it took on. Now, granted, Street Fighter 4 came out as a complete product. Uh, there was great single player modes. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of hype. It was revisiting. Online became a thing for Street Fighter 4 where it hadn't really been for a lot of and so that was going to drive a lot more um, you know traffic towards it but I think foundationally fundamentally that's where it had had most most of its successes yes so you look at Street Fighter 3 and it was it was beloved in our community uh, for a, a lot of great reasons and it was so much fun to play it was a great game to play you know balance issues were a big deal but I mean the game even uh, most people were not playing at like a Tokido or a Justin Wong or Daigo level you know in tournament they didn't have to deal as much with you know the Yuns and the Chun Li's and all that kind of stuff out there you were able to play Alex or uh, Remy or whoever you know in tournament and have fun with them and, and play and do well um, but yeah so I look at the stuff and I go, look, um, making games easier to play is part of the answer. And Street Fighter 4 is 100% proof of that. Because if we would have continued down the same route and made the games even more complex and more detailed, like I, I do not think that we would have had the success that we had with Street Fighter 4. Um, and so that's where I, I really feel like Momochi is off base. And, and look, like Momochi, Momochi blows me out of the water in terms of fighting game skills. He is an outstanding player. Um, but this is also why it's important to study the history and the business aspect of these things, because these games are here to make a profit. And if they're not making a profit, they're not doing well, we don't get to play these games anymore. They yeah. go away for good. you know. And, and we were through those dark times. We went through 10 years of those dark times with Capcom not putting out a, another Street Fighter game. And I don't want to see that again. you know. So I get what Momochi is saying, and I, I think here what this kind of what this kind of feeds into is that there's a balance point between these two things like we don't want to freaking be playing rock paper scissors you know st- like street fighter games like where it's like you know there's like three options and it's all hard reads and there's nothing else to it it's like no we need we need nuance and we need some hardcore you know stuff that you can train the opponents to do like make the intent happen all that's very 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 important but how to get there is not easy and if someone had that formula, like if they knew exactly how to get there, they should go make their own fighting game <laughs> because yeah. they're going to make a lot of money. I- I'm talking about millions and millions and millions of dollars. You're going to have one of the best games released of all time if you put it out there where you understand the perfect balance between um, a casual audience and a hardcore audience. Uh, look, that is a that is something every developer is trying to do right now. Uh, there's a bunch of other things that feed into it. But this stuff, what I'm getting at is it's not easy. I have hella respect for Momochi and who he is. He is a clearly smart guy. I just, I think he's off base on this one point. 
Well, and this is just a, an excerpt from, uh, I think, a longer rant. It's just from his stream. And it may, it may not be that he talks about anything or talks about this further. But it, it wasn't like he sat down just to specifically talk about this. But I do encourage people uh, to go and, and you know find the article and watch the video uh, to get the entire picture for themselves, hear everything he has to say. Um, and, and one of the things that I was kind of sad about is that he doesn't offer an alternative, at least in this video where he's talking about it, like, well, this is what they should do. He just says that making them easier isn't going to bring in new people. That's not actually where, where you know, things fall apart. Um, and But I will kind of go to bat for him from an, uh, an interview he did with Born Free a while back, maybe a year or two ago, where he said that what he would do to rectify the situation to make both camps happy is to take an easy mechanic, like in Marvel, for instance, you have dial combos I think that's in Dragon Ball Fighters as well. And you have that for the new people, right? But in those instances, if you do the dial a combo, it does less damage, right? Or maybe it's not the most optimal thing. So if you're a if you're a competitive player, you're not going to do it that way, and that's great. Like, okay, cool. So now you have in the in the same little uh, playing space, you have something for the new guys and something for the old guys, and both of them can be having fun. Well, what's the other side of that coin? Momochi proposed that you have your combos. And if you do just frame timing when the execution of those combos, it gives you some sort of a buff. So maybe you gain more meter, maybe it does more damage, maybe even better Oki, although that's that would have to be some pretty hard frames because I think gaining better Oki is a pretty big deal. But it depends on the, the way the game plays too, right? But this idea of, okay, you know, everyone can do this combo, it's not that hard, but if you do it particularly perfectly, you get a boost. It's like the other side of that, well, if you just input the 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 dial a combo it does less damage and i think that that's a really good place that we should explore and i haven't seen uh, as far as my understanding enough of it i have a big objection to that and that's online play and when you are asking people for frame perfect timing on online play i think that is not fair um we, this is coming from the guy that's gonna dock people for having crappy connections exactly. uh, you gotta have yeah, good connections exactly. man that's that's part of it, it, it no it's exactly <laughs> part of it but i mean it's like you're you're literally at that point like of all the systems you could build up, like why build it on something that inherently does not work for online play? Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we've established that like online play is never going to be perfect. It never is. Um, maybe 20 years from now, then we can have that system in there, but um, it's not going to be perfect. We just want it at a high enough level where it's acceptable, where you can compete at that. And why build a mechanic that, that inherently does not match up and align with that? That's my big issue with it. It's like, yeah, I get it why that's good. It's like, but why not put the rewards somewhere else, right? The Diablo combo, like doing less damage, I think is perfect. And that, I think even started with Persona. Um, I think it was the Persona Arena games that, that did that at first where they had the auto combo system. It worked wonderfully. Um, and, uh, and and there's a lot of ways to do it. I'm just, again, it's it's... It's why you have to be... You're right, you're right, because online does put a damper directly on execution like that, and it sucks that that's the thing that you have to balance out when you're talking about all of this, because if it were in a perfect vacuum, uh, uh, you know, an arcade-only bubble or a yeah. locals-only bubble, then that would, I think, that be an awesome thing. Um, but you do have to take arcade into account, so you're right. I just, man, I feel like you got to... There should be a way around it. And it there, that's well, it's it's development. It's you know, it's what we do here on Event Hubs. It's like okay, if we work on Project X, we're not going to be able to work on Project Y. 
right? And is it better off if we work on one or the other? And we have these discussions all the time. And, you know, some stories get buried and never get done because it's just like, that's not going to do what we need to do. Like there's more important stuff to tackle. And when you are a fighting game developer, you have to look at the stuff of what is the best reward for our time. And you talk about all this hardcore stuff and it's like, oh, this would be great. This would be great. And then you you don't always think it through in terms of the actuals of what could hit. It's like, look, online play should be a very important part of what you do as a fighting game developer not like oh it's yeah like something we do no very important because most of the people who buy your product that is a way that they're going to have competition and play it online or, or play like competition at all right it's it's online play and if you make online play less fun and less good like you're hurting your overall product at that point and so why build a system that's based around online play being perfectly ideal when it's not going to be so yeah but how many of your we were talking about just the competitive players right but how many of your um i mean you could appease a lot of non-competitive and a lot of more general green players in doing this and i feel like maybe it's kind of getting into mortal Kombat territory the way we've seen from mortal Kombat 11 where a lot of their decisions you know look at the, the shang Tsung and the um the, the the ninjas thing right like that's there for obviously at this point the general public because it's not there for the competitors and there's a lot of stuff like just that game is i think much more based on uh, or catered to general public than it is for competitors and it still does just fine in both realms um, I mean, I don't know, maybe there's something there, but I do agree with you that, that the whole like just frame thing kind of falls apart with online. Yeah. Uh, that, and what I'm getting at is your, your, your situations have to be, they have to be extremely well thought through because it's so easy to put your foot in a giant hole and, and imagine you mess up on a couple mechanics in a fighting game and your years of development and, and, you know, millions upon millions of dollars are, you know, crap down a hole basically and we don't have to look too far to see that and that's marvel infinite and that is street fighter cross tekken there are a few things wrong with those games there was plenty right they did a lot right by the competitive uh, and you know hardcore scenes they did a few things wrong and their games fell apart uh, i actually remember the guy uh, of all things uh who, who worked on the street fighter movie arcade game um just talking about how they did a lot of good, like the, the graphics on the game were really good for the time. And there was a number of other things like they, they, they did some brand new mechanics that were really cool, but they screwed up a few core things that were really important. They did not think them through. And like the game ended up just kind of being a flop and, and just kind of falling apart. And it's not hard to have that happen to you. And, and, and so yeah. that's why I go with all this stuff. Like I don't have any trouble with like someone suggesting it. Like, and again, big props to Momochi actually for, for pointing it out there. It gives us a chance to talk about it here on the pod. It's just, this stuff is so much more complicated and layered than you would think. And the developers behind these games that, that make fighting games are really hardcore. Um, they are pretty damn insane. Like fighting game, or I should say game developers in general are pretty insane. Fighting game developers are usually just much like, you know, uh, much like it is in the video game realm where you have your, your typical gamers and then you have fighting gamers who are like insane and passionate. Like what? This game has like, you know, eight frames of input lag. And someone's like, what? Who, what, what even is input lag? Like, what are you guys even talking about? Like that, that's kind of how it goes for, for game developers too, when it comes to fighting games. Um, they're really hardcore. They try to do this stuff a lot. It's just, it's not easy is kind of the point I'm getting at. A lot of the suggestions, there are reasons how come they, they haven't been fixed or put out there. Uh, it might be cost prohibitive. It might be um, some, you know, hole that you stick your foot in that you never thought about things of that nature so the tldr emoji's an idiot <laughs> we love emoji now he's pretty awesome so so yeah um so i, I will just really quickly end this on um going back through history i i type up these notes damn it so i'm gonna say it real quick before we wrap this up and that's just um 
Ono, back when Street Fighter 4 was going on, he actually said he wanted to reboot the franchise from a gameplay standpoint and get things more back to their roots like it was when Street Fighter 2 was made. Um, And these quotes are all up and down from this time where Ono said he just wanted to recapture that magic of Street Fighter 2. And Street Fighter 2, like if you go back and play it now, it's a pretty simple game. Like uh, like in Turbo, like they added supers, they added like throw techs essentially or softening throws and all that kind of stuff. Um, There's so many things that were so basic and there's, there's a lot of magic and and gaming in general where if you can make things simple but deep like okay yeah i can pick up and play this game in five minutes but it's going to take it seems like it's going to take me a lifetime to master it and that is where i think uh, like true beauty and in, in gaming and other stuff is like if you can get people to like pick it up and appreciate it to you know you're not going to beat daigo like hopefully not right anyone can win i know i know but um but hopefully uh, you can find a nice point of just like an easy entry point but like just depth that is wonderful and beautiful and, and that is I, I in my opinion when i've heard fighting game developers talk about it, kind of like the holy grail right and it's hard to do but damn would I love to see it? You need, I think Mortal Kombat sort of got, it started there with, you have a bunch of really crazy stuff that where it's just, you can you can learn two things, go in there and start winning, and that's good for the new guys because it's going to encourage them to keep playing. But then you should have something that it takes a little bit of skill, so not just anyone can do it. So those new guys can get their wins in the you know, bottom of the barrel, the beginning of ranks, right? But that you can have a huge counter to it where you can really blow it up and blow it up, you know, appropriately. If it's really strong, you can really blow it up. And so so find that kind of stuff. Find that you know, that wake up DP that's really good, but make sure there's a really good punish for it. Um, I don't, that's not the full on answer, but something along those lines feels like that's where we have to go in order to get as many people as possible, make everybody happy. So, yeah. Yeah, countering the wake-up DP, almost like crush count. All right, guys, that's going to wrap <laughs> us up for this week of the Event Hubs podcast. Uh, once, once again, thank you all for listening, and we'll see you soon. Absolutely, and tell your friends and subscribe. And, and if you're already subscribed, uh, you know, tell us so that you can be entered into that uh, contest that we're doing right now because 300 bucks that's, that's no joke. So, yep. all right, we'll see you guys next week. The the zonk, whatever the zonk move is, they're all bull Bull something, bullhead, bullshit. Tiger! Yeah.